Mike Ricksecker. Interesting episode coming up for you this evening as we continue our explorations throughout the universe. So you know, we did like the future of humanity. We were talking about you know exploring the cosmos and where do we go after Earth. Uh, last week we were studying the idea of the multiverse and the implications that that has upon us today. And then today we're going to be talking about uh, the in, uh, interdimensional implications of the universe. I feel like I want to sneeze. So if I do. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> there we go. Biology happens. All right. So, uh, yeah, uh, I titled this episode. I've been playing around with different titles for this uh, particular class. I just ended up calling it uh, Interdimensional Universe because we're going to be talking about a lot of different um, ramifications of interdimensional travel within the universe, how we see that on our end, how we can use that to interact with different aspects of our reality. So um, we're going to start, though. Uh, there's, uh, and great, there's, there's Mary Haygood. Great to see you, Mary. So like I said, we have uh, new people joining us for Connecting the Universe. Fantastic. So where we are going to start this evening is our uh, class question. And it looks like I did not bring in the slide for the class question. So let me grab that really quick here. Uh, really, it was only Tom who answered it anyway. And that's perfectly fine. Some, some questions I throw out there sometimes are, uh, they're kind of head scratchers, and I understand that. Kind of like this week's uh, question, and it's loading, taking a sweet old time. There we go. What do you think interdimensional beings truly are? And that's a lot of what tonight's episode is going to be about. Uh, or we've had interdimensional beings episodes before where we got into, I mean, we even got into like Skinwalkers and Wendigo and things like that in those particular episodes. Uh, but Tom, he had an interesting comment from Dominic Nicholas. Uh, he said his answer to this question is energy from pre-current or previous events was recorded and played back in time, maybe formed by an energy portal to sync with the universe. So uh, really kind of interesting. He's, he's talking about a, um, a you know a pre-recording of energy of an energetic being that's being played back um, and could be using some sort of portal technology along with that. So uh, thank you, Tom, for uh, for the response. Uh, kind of an interesting take. And some of what we're going to talk about this evening is related. So let's get into it. Um, I'm going to start off with this quote from Mark Anthony. I've shown you guys this before, but again, we have some new people uh, this evening. This is from the uh, Shadow Dimension docu-series, episode one. Uh, and this is specifically talking about uh, shadow entities, shadow people, that sort of thing. But it's applicable here as well, uh, where he says we may very well be dealing with se with several different entities, several different species using a similar energetic modality in order for them to communicate or to visit what we call Earth. So. The idea that you have all of these different beings and entities out there within the universe, but the way that they are able to you know, either travel here, uh, communicate with us, maybe quasi travel here. If they're just you know, we're going to talk about projection, you know, projecting somebody's consciousness or a sort of physical aspect of them to here that they're using some of these different similar modalities, which would be uh 
well, I mean, a couple of different things. For for the shadow dimension, we are talking shadows. So the idea that you know you have a variety of different types of shadow people that appear in different forms. You know, you have the humanoid figure, the hat man, the mist, the wisp, the crawler, the hooded figure, all these different things. And they each kind of look different. Some are more translucent than others. Some don't really have a form. They're very amorphous, like a like cloud or smoke. You know, others have some very distinct features or even appear to be wearing some sort of, of clothing. So they're all a bit different, but yet they all come off as this shadow. So there's something that they're each doing very similar to look like that, even though they're all like a bit different. Uh, that's just one example. Shadow, they could be light. You know, we have a variety of different light beings that people witness and see, whether it is, again, like a almost like a humanoid figure type of a light being or you know, there are the light orbs, there are flashes of light, all different types of light as well. And a lot of times when we have these different interactions, and it could be with a shadow, you know, we see a flash of light along with it. Uh, there's a story in my book, A Walk in the Shadows, and when I was interviewed a couple of weeks ago for, I can't tell you which show yet, um, that was one of, the, one of the stories that they wanted me to talk about was this one in which... Uh, the woman had seen a flash of light out in the hall and she heard like a crackle. And all of a sudden this shadow man runs into the room, basically jumps on her, presses her down into the bed. You know, kind of like the old, the whole old hag syndrome sort of thing. Uh, but this was masculine rather than feminine. It was just a dark humanoid figure. So kind of didn't really have the whole hag looking part of it. You had the sleep paralysis along with it because she was pressed down into the bed. But then it jumped off, ran back out into the hallway. She saw the flash of light again and the, and then the crackle. Next, she kind of for a moment thought, oh, maybe it was just a nightmare, bad dream sort of thing. Next morning, she wakes up, she's walking down the hall. And in the one room off the hallway, um, she went in there, turned on the, the light switch. Everything in the room was fried, like all the electronics. She had to call the fire department out there. So you had the flash of light associated with the, the shadow. So you have these types of aspects in there as well. And then also what we're going to get into um, quite a bit this evening is the idea of the projection, the uh, projection of energy from one location to another, uh, which I find extremely fascinating. I'm going to check your comments here real quick. Um, loving the uh, blue ocean light behind you. Yeah, I have. Uh, I used to use these when I did the Beyond the Shadows show i would have the blue lights going on in the background and i find that it makes a nice contrast here with with me in the in the front and then you got that in the background um the, the lighting effect seems to be much better than just the regular white light um and let me go ahead and put this banner up here again so that um so we can see your name all right so moving on uh, as we continue to get into this so this is the connect. Uh, this is connecting the universe, part of the connected universe portal, connectinguniverseportal.com. And one of the things that we focus on in here is the interconnections of all these different aspects across the universe. So when we're talking about witnessing entities here, whether they're they're shadows, whether they are extraterrestrials, um, you know, a lot of different things. These things are also witnessed throughout the entire universe as well. And I don't know if you guys have seen it. This is the new uh, Chandra X-ray image of Cassiopeia. 
Um, absolutely love this. Now, this is the same uh, X-ray telescope that gave us this. And I'll remove this banner now. Uh, and you guys are familiar with this image, the uh, Chandra Wim X-ray of the universe, where all these little uh, balls of light are actually galaxies. And you see the hot gases uh, that really look like a spider web connecting them all. Uh, to me, this is truly fascinating because it shows us how the universe is really, really connected. The uh, the other image here with Cassiopeia. Now, uh, that's just that's just an amazing photograph of of a uh, of a star system. But uh, <laughs> when we are talking about energy in the connections of the universe. Something like this shows us how we might be able to travel from one location to another. We are eventually going to have to, to do this ourselves. That was the whole Future of Humanity class that we did the other week. We eventually have to you know, reach the stars. But other beings, because we are only, our planet's only four and a half billion years old. The universe is 14 approximately you know, these are approximate numbers approximately 14 billion years old so that means all the other civilizations around the universe have had nine and a half billion years to you know to figure out how to move around the universe they they've been doing this a long time we're kind of you know the new kids on the block so we have to look and examine how are they traveling such great distances from their solar system, from their galaxy to ours. If we're talking, I mean, it could be a variety of, of different types of beings. We could be talking about ETs, we're mostly talking about interdimensional beings, and interdimensional beings could absolutely be ETs. We're going to talk about ultra-terrestrials uh, a little bit too, but uh, and that's different than ultra-terrestrials ultra and extraterrestrials are, are different. We'll get into those differences here in a little bit. But if we're looking at the idea that there is a extraterrestrial civilization that is visiting us, it may not always be a physical craft. To bring a physical craft here uh, across the cosmos, you know, that's, we're talking light years. So they would either have to be a, a race of beings that can live extremely long periods of time or they have figured out a way to traverse the universe without it taking so much time. And so we've, you know, we've gone over the Einstein Rosen bridge, the wormholes, that sort of thing, a lot here uh, in these classes. We're going to talk about some other things uh, tonight in regards to this, other different ways that they could be traveling. And so we need to look at the idea that, you know, we each have our own energy. This is when we start talking about ghosts and spirits and, and that sort of thing, we always end up talking about, well, you know, you can't destroy the energy within you that gets transformed. So you lose the body and then you still have that energy. And when it comes to ghosts and spirits, they end up, you know, hanging out still here on earth for a while, rather than going on to whatever that afterlife is. Well, other sentient beings and well, really any beings <laughs> have energy about them as well. And so this 
We've shown this image before when talking about the uh, toroidal uh, field of energy that surrounds each one of us. And I use this a lot when talking about um, you know, sleep paralysis and what wakes you up and that sort of thing, that it is uh, the presence of a person because you can feel their energy. But you can also do other things with that energy rather than just it's a field of energy surrounding you. We can project that energy. And so this is when, uh, you know, when we talk about astral projection, actually being able to uh, project your consciousness, your energy somewhere else. And I do, um, I have proposed before, and I did get asked this one as well. Uh, and it's in, and it's in the uh, Shadow Entities course on Connected Universe Portal. So if you dig down into there, uh, you'll you'll find this. I also use it in my presentations as well. We're talking about shadow entities that some of them could actually be astral projections. When you know, somebody projects their energy forth, and I, this is the example I use. You know, a grandmother uh, lives far away from her family. Like you know, she had a daughter. The daughter grew up, moved away. 500,000 miles, whatever, had a family. Grandmother can't, you know, it's it's hard for her to go visit. It's hard for her to travel physically, but she knows how to astral project. So she decides that she's going to project herself into her daughter's home, see her daughter, see her granddaughter. Now, you know, her energy is there. Her consciousness is there. The person on the other side, how do they see that? We might think, okay, well, they're, they're just not going to see anything. Yeah, that that's definitely one possibility. The other possibility is, is they actually get a glimpse of that energy. They get a glimpse of that consciousness. Maybe it comes off as a shadow. Maybe it, people report seeing these shimmers, you know, like a, a shimmer type person. And so they could be witnessing that. And so that is the projection of the consciousness into you know, that uh, particular person's home. And so these are ideas that we're going to explore this evening. I see a lot of comments are coming in. So I'm going to uh, check this out real quick. Um, so Sarah, extraterrestrials would have to be entities who live in the same plane of reality as we do. Not necessarily. Um, we'll, we'll talk about that in just a moment. Because basically an extraterrestrial is a being that is not on our planet. Because terrestrial would be land so they don't live here they natively live elsewhere just kind of like we're the extraterrestrial to some other planet now it doesn't necessarily mean that they have to live in our dimension they could live on a planet in another dimension somewhere um you know we talked last week about different universes and things like that there's different ways to look at that whether it is a a world in another physical universe or a world in another in another dimension somewhere. It could be another universe in another dimension. Uh, different ways to look at that. So, um, all right. So, and then another uh, follow-up question. When you are saying energy, do you mean oral energy? In a sense, um, when we're talking about the toroidal field of energy, now this is... Um, uh, go to the Heart Maths Institute's site. I, I reference it. I have the link in my book, A Walk in the Shadows. And, and 
um, I don't know if I have it on the portal. If I don't, I need to get it up there. Um, they have a fantastic study of the uh, that energy field that extends out from you that you know not only just you interacting with other people and sensing each other's energy you know you have your your back to the door somebody walks into the room you don't hear them but you feel their energy same thing with humans and people it's a fantastic study and i'll have to uh if i don't have the link up there i'll have to post it but uh heart math is too has a lot of great information on there or on that so all right continuing on all right, so that's an idea of, that's astral projection, uh, seeing possible entities as a, uh, as a projection. So I've, uh, I, I was on uh, Jess Rogge's show last night, es Escaping the Simulation, which is a fantastic name for a show. And so we actually got into, uh we got into astral projection but it was from the angle of had i ever tried to uh had i ever time tried to time travel and you know because i was talking about projecting the consciousness to another point in time you know not just you know to a physical place um you know like i was giving the example of grandmother to her uh, to her daughters in her granddaughter's house, uh, you know, not talking about projecting like that, or even out somewhere out to the universe. Cause there's a, you know, there's that idea as well that, um, you know, some of these extraterrestrials on another planet somewhere, instead of using the resources to send a craft here, if they know how to, uh, use to project their consciousness like we were talking about with astral projecting to be able to project their consciousness across the cosmos again you know we're all connected here that would be one way for them to travel and observe what's going on here on earth they might be able to interact with us to a degree uh in that method are these some of the craft that we're seeing that maybe these are you know, some sort of, I mean, they could be robotic crafts taking videos and photos. And because it's just a projection, maybe that's why they are able to take off so quickly. You know, G-force doesn't matter to the physical body of the person because the physical body isn't there. It's being projected. In any case, when I was on uh, Jess's show last night, she was asking me about, you know, had I tried projecting myself into another point in time which i have i've tried it and uh basically what happened I, I was a kid i was uh 14 years old or something like that and i was i was homesick i'd spent 10 years uh most of my formative years in massachusetts from three until i was 13 all my really really good friends were back there we had moved to ohio and even though i was born in ohio had a bunch of family in ohio I was missing my friends. And so what I had tried to do was to project myself uh, backward in time to go, you know, relive those days to go visit, you know, whatever. Could I project myself back in time and live out, you know, kind of a quasi existence sort of thing. And so while I tried doing that, I'm laying in bed as, like I said, I was about 14 
And I put myself into a really deep meditative state. And it's, I've tried doing this as an adult and I have a hard time doing it because my mind is just kind of racing all the time. But I'd gotten to a point where I was feeling these waves. You know, it's kind of like up and down, up and down, almost like a little churning type of emotion. Then I started feeling this electrical uh, type of energy. And that's when I got scared and I stopped and the whole thing. Boom, just immediately stopped talking with people after the fact. Uh, you know, this is years later because I had I had no idea what was going on at the time. And uh, I didn't I, it, I would have no idea who to talk to anyway. Uh, at that age in a small town, no internet. Um, this is before that was around. So I just chalked it up to that was a weird experience. Years later, as an adult talking to people, finding out that I was on the verge of an out-of-body experience. I was about to astral project. Might not have gone back in time, but I was about to have an out-of-body experience and project. You know, maybe I would have just done the standing by my own bed or maybe i would have been you know hovering on the ceiling somewhere it's not out of the realm of possibility though to project consciousness into the past or even into the future and i believe this is what real time travel would end up being and it's depicted you guys know i've talked about this before excuse me it's depicted in the movie somewhere in time with christopher reeve and Jane Seymour. This here is a photo of uh, Christopher Reeve as Richard lying on the bed. He's all dressed up in uh, early 1900s attire. He's trying to he's trying to essentially what he does is he projects his consciousness from 1980 back to 1912, and he's able to physically interact within that time frame. And when he comes out of it, he's he's back in this room. Um, and all that. So in one state of his being, he's here lying in the bed. And in another state of his being, when he's able to project his consciousness back, he's there in 1912. So he's, he's actually physically there as well. Now, again, that's a fictional story. But to me, it makes a lot more sense since people are able to actually project themselves somewhere it makes a lot more sense to me that if we are able to truly time travel it'd be more along the lines of that than something like a delorean in a flux capacitor and even our you know physicists today when they talk about you know time travel building a time machine this sort of thing you know they talk about okay getting in close to a black hole because uh, time does work differently when you get closer and closer to a black hole that the black hole, the gravity of the black hole is bending space and time, you would essentially have to get within that. You would have to expend a great amount of energy to be able to actually time travel. And I don't think it has to be as complicated as that. Because um, again, we're already seeing these different types of projections. And again, I think this also works for entities from beings from other planets i think they're able to project their consciousness here if we're able to you know project across the state people talk about projecting you know to to mars and to the moon and so you know we have human beings that are able to leave the planet with their projections well again a more highly evolved race has been doing this for a longer period of time would have that technique down 
So ultra terrestrials. Okay. Ultra terrestrials. Cause you know, this was kind of brought up a little bit earlier. I said, we, uh, talk about the difference between ultra terrestrials and extraterrestrials. So ultra terrestrials are beings, entities that are already here on earth. They originate here on earth, but they are hidden from us. Whether that's in another dimension, another place in space time. Um, you would talk about that there's this world around us that you know, we can't see with our own eyes. And it could be that they're just living in a different light spectrum than us. Because uh, our, our eyes can only see within a certain uh, within a certain range of the spectrum. Well, ultra, uh, an ultra-terrestrial could be living elsewhere within that spectrum that they're, they're there. But we can't see them. But sometimes we get a glimpse of them or um, something might happen. And it, it might be, you know, some of these different things that we blame on uh, ghosts. Oh, you know, heard the ghost over there, you know, wrestling with something or doing something uh, on the other side of the room. And that could actually be maybe an ultra-terrestrial is passing through or, you know, doing something over there. You take a look at a couple of your comments here again. So Tom had to take off. All right. Um, thanks for stopping in, Tom. Really appreciate that. Um, and uh, and he also made a comment here a few minutes ago. Energy can be recorded and stored in time waiting to be released. And that was kind of his comment uh, that he submitted earlier on, uh, on interdimensional beings about you know, being a recording. And so we kind of see that with stone tape theory where, you know, the energy gets recorded into um into the building maybe it's the the granite of the building which you know a lot of you know granite is made of, of of a lot of quartz depending on the type of granite different percentages but um like rose quartz from from aswan in egypt 55 percent granite or i'm sorry 55 percent quartz uh which is which is why you know we believe that when it comes to the you know, Egyptian buildings that they were using this for different energetic purposes because of that quartz. Well, you know, it could also be used to store information. You know, we're seeing now that they are coming out with these little uh, quartz chips that you can store terabytes and terabytes and terabytes of information on a little chip of quartz. And so the question is, how do you play it back? Um, you know, what's the catalyst? Because we see it sometimes. Uh, again, this is, you know, some of these, the strange supernatural paranormal phenomena that we see, or sometimes just these playbacks you know, of an event that somehow got encoded into that place. And suddenly we're seeing it play back. So, all right. Um, and Sarah, could that energy be released through resonance? Yeah. And, and it's just, you know, what frequency, what's, what's the, um, you know, what's, what's the magic frequency that's going to you know kick it off that we don't necessarily know and i believe um you know a lot of times when we have these moments that we see from another place in time uh like some sort of time slip we're going to talk a little bit here about time slips you guys know i love talking time travel <laughs> um i kind of think that's what's happening is there's two moments in time again time all being concurrent that happen to be resonating at the same frequency and then boom we get a glimpse of that other moment in time so yeah all of this has to do with wavelengths resonance frequency uh all of that absolutely so in any case going back to 
the extra or not the extraterrestrials, the ultra terrestrials. Um, okay, so if we have these other beings and these other entities here on Earth with uh, with us that we don't always necessarily see that are kind of hidden from us, um, this is just food for thought. It begs us to question, you know, did they originate here on Earth? Have they always been here? You know, are they are they possibly ETs that came here settled um, maybe long before us? Or have they always been here? And maybe we are the ETs. Maybe they view us as the aliens, you know, these humans taking over their, their world and invading their space. Um, you know, it's it's possible. This is another idea. Um, we've talked before about the solar system before ours. There are a lot of uh, theoretical physicists that believe that, and, and there's some physical proof to this, that our current solar system was born out of another. You know, enough time has passed, certainly, that this could feasibly have happened, that there was another uh, solar system before us, that our the matter, you know, from this universe was a part of. And when that finally ended, because, you know, its star would have, you know, either gone supernova or whatever, then the matter would have recollected and formed up another solar system. So are these ultra terrestrials, are they remnant beings from a civilization that may have lived in that previous solar system. And there's even ideas that we as humans are from that previous solar system. You know, maybe we had uh, you know, gone elsewhere for a while, kind of you know, saved humanity, came back. Um, but the same could be true for the these ultra terrestrials as well. You know, they could be they could be far, far older than us living here on Earth than we are. They may predate us by thousands if not millions of years and we're we've kind of invaded their territory it's one possible idea so as we continue talking about the the idea of an interdimensional universe being able to travel through dimensions so we usually think of you know, our reality Kind of talked about we've been talking about different dimensions we've talked about you know other universes and then there is that that other place that we don't necessarily think of as a dimension but it really kind of is and that is whatever in the world that afterlife is what you know some people will call the home world some people call heaven whatever it's that afterlife that other reality that's out there, wherever it is that we originally come from. It really is like another dimension. Well, I'm going to go all simulated universe here. So what if these projections that are all around us, what if we ourselves are projecting from the simulation? So... We have some new people here, which is great. Thank you very much for joining us this evening, the Connected Universe uh, portal. And so when I start diving into the simulated universe, one of the things that I you know, like to point out 
uh, and again, it's in my book, A Walk in the Shadows, <laughs> on the uh, Shadows in the Matrix chapter. We're not necessarily talking about a computer simulation like the movie The Matrix, although we could be. I tend to believe it's something different. I think it's more organic, something more biological, maybe molecular in nature, something we don't quite understand. Uh, not necessarily computer. We say computer simulation now because that is, that's our current context for technology. But it could be something completely different. You know, you know think, um, I don't know, 150 years ago, their concept of what a time machine or something like that would be would, would not be, um, you know, computer-based, right? In any case, a simulation is absolutely on the table. This is an idea that has gone back thousands and thousands of years into our ancient religions. And while they didn't use the, the word simulation, the concept was there. So we talked about you know, the home world, wherever it is that we come from. Well, we believe in reincarnation. We come from wherever that is. We come down here. We live out our life for, for a little while. We go back. We do whatever we were doing up there. Come back down. You know, it's a cycle. We cycle again and again and again. We do the same thing if we do take the idea of a you know computer program or maybe even like a computer game where you log into that game for a while. Perfect examples like The Sims, where you're actually playing out a life. You log in, you play out for a little while, and then you log out. So again, kind of the idea of reincarnation there. They don't use the word simulation in those belief systems, but the concept is there. Uh, even with Christianity, we are in this world right now, preparing to go on to another world. You know, so again, not using the word simulation, but we're here doing these different things, learning so we can go elsewhere. <laughs> so, um, and, and that's what you do in a lot of these, in a lot of different simulated environments, you're within, you're within a system, you're learning different things, you're interacting with it, you know. So the concept has always been with us. We've just never really, these days we think of this more in a, in a computer program. So you yourself then, you're coming from somewhere else down here. Our soul, our energy, whatever you want to call that, is in this body. Um, some people would call it like a meat sack or whatever. Um, in computer terms, it would be an avatar. And we're kind of trapped in it for a while. We can, again, if we learn how to project, we can project out of it and go elsewhere. Um, but there are some interesting ideas about, um, about projecting from wherever that is, that quote-unquote home world, into here, that we may not be our energy, maybe sort of two places at one time that our consciousness is there and our body is the receiver for it there's also the idea of the the holographic universe now 
there are some pros and cons to you know this idea and a lot of people have been jumping on this bandwagon over the last several years and so with the holographic universe theory it basically claims that our physical world is nothing more than a detailed illusion and the illusion is projected by our brains uh, as energy fields are being decoded into what seems to be a three-dimensional universe that we see around us but our, our brains are interpreting as 3d but it's there's in this theory it's actually 2d so in the uh illustration that i've put up here on the screen those listening to the podcast version later i know you're not going to be able to see that so come join us for uh uh the weekly uh live presentations connect to universe portal.com be able to see the whole thing uh so it has a uh, 2d image on the bottom of this which is projecting the earth right so those that are that uh subscribe to the flat earth theory there you go <laughs> if if we are in a holographic universe that is projected then at some point i guess the earth is flat so so basically our brains would mathematically construct reality by interpreting the frequencies from another dimension or some other place in space time to be able to create the 3d world around us it's an interesting idea. I'm still kind of working through that kind of like, you know, with the whole multiverse idea. I've, I've still been working through that. Like the idea of a physical multiverse, I'm, I'm down with that. Totally understand that. The whole, you know, infinite number of universes uh, split off every single day for the multiverse. I still have a little bit of a problem with that. Um, the the idea of the uh, the holographic universe that it's it's a 2d image that's projected and our brains are just interpreting it i have i do honestly have some problems with that but the idea of projecting data you know however that's done like i said it could be organic or biological uh, or molecular in nature that data is being projected from wherever that is that kind of quote unquote home world into us here i i'm all right with that and we have some science to to back that up and we, we look at quantum entanglement so you know the idea here quantum entanglement so this is basically subatomic particles like such as electrons they're able to instant Spontaneously communicate with one another regardless of the distance separating them so it's not that information would be traveling extremely fast it's that it's happening simultaneously at the same time that these particles are intrinsically connected to each other so when something happens to the one it happens to the other exact same moment so einstein uh, this is where einstein was calling it uh, spooky action at a distance so if we are, if our consciousness is up there somewhere, we all we always do that. We always like point to the sky. It's up there somewhere. I mean, I think it's all around us. Is really what it is. It's just all around us. But if it's up there somewhere, <laughs> um, and we're just receiving that information, um, then that would be a 
that would be a representation, really a practical uh, implementation of quantum entanglement that our consciousness, wherever that is in the home world, to us here, our avatar in this reality, are entangled. They're intrinsically connected in when one's making decision, the other is happening here at the exact same time. Um, so then that causes one to question, okay, you know, is our, is our memory and our consciousness then stored up there? Uh, when, oh, when there's a change in the timeline, we, we talked about the Mandela effect a lot last week, so I don't want to get too deep into that this week. Uh, but you guys had a great conversation about that last week. So if there's a change in the timeline, we talked about you know, a little bit of time travel, the projecting one's conscious, consciousness into the past, and you could affect it. When there's a change in that timeline, which changes things going on here in our reality, is then that data not updated. So in other words, instead of when there's a change in the timeline, instead of overwriting the record to kind of keep everything clean, is the record just appended to? This is kind of more of the, almost like, I know I said, I don't necessarily think it's a computer, but it's just, it's the way our culture is right now. It's the way we think. Um, would that uh, record that the system would write to, is, is it just appending rather than overwriting? So that could be why we have some of these different, you know, strange memories like this that are like something, something happened. All right. So another question that I had gotten from um, Jess Rogie's show last night. And again, her name, her, uh, her show's name was Escape the Simulation, which I thought was a fantastic name. Uh, if we did escape the simulation, what would that universe look like? So we've been talking about this is kind of the afterlife world, really. This is the home world. This is where we originally come from. It causes one to wonder, okay, so the whole afterlife thing, is that just another level of the simulation? Is it just like a, a construct that we go to? Think about the Matrix movies where before they got into the Matrix, there was that kind of white area where they could, they could load up guns, where Morpheus talked to, to Neo and, and told him what the Matrix is. You know, that was kind of between the real world and uh, in, in the Matrix. So is our our afterlife that we go to, is that kind of middle level like that so if we were to escape the matrix would we go to that place um you know is that the real home or is it just another is it just another level is it just a construct uh, if we escape the simulation is there somewhere else we would go that's even further that's like even deeper down the rat rabbit hole it's a good question not sure <laughs> let me check out some of your comments here uh, real quick, uh, let's see. So, and yeah, Sarah makes a good point here. If we escape the simulation, we would have to relearn everything, even our most basic of senses. Possibly. 
you know, I'm not so sure because take, okay, let's just take, um, you're playing a game and it's just always a, it's a good example for us to go with is what we're familiar with. Even though, again, I don't think it really works like a computer program, but it's our context that we have right now. So you're within the game environment. You have your controller. There's different rules of that game and the way it works, how it functions, the way you you run around, you know, you know, hit the controller here, do this, do that. Um, you know, you're able to, in some of these things, you're able to jump long distances. You're able to make all these crazy acrobatic moves, things like that. When you put that controller down and you log out of the game, you yourself, you don't forget how to get up, go use the restroom, how to drive your, your real car. Um, you know, we still have all of that information when we step back. Um, so I think we'll be fine wherever it is that we're coming in from that. We're just, we're kind of blocked from knowing what that is right now. Cause we are in this body in this particular reality. But I think when we exit it, I mean, yeah, we're going to have that exhilaration of like, Whoa, we were, I was just in something. Cause you'll get that, uh, especially some of these more realistic games, um, that kind of get your adrenaline going, um, but when we step back, we still know how to function within our, our normal life. And so I think if we were to escape the simulation, there might be a bit of like, whoa, but um, but I think we'll be fine. I think we'll still know how to function in that in that world, in that reality. So, but it was a good point. Good question. Okay. So a couple of other things here. I know we're getting short on time, so I'm probably going to have to shorten a couple of these things up. Um, something that's kind of interesting as we kind of get into, because I said we we're going to talk about time slips a little bit. Um, this is kind of interesting. So and I, I thought this was kind of a cool photo with the two girls. One's one's a shadow. Um, it was actually in, in this particular photo. It was originally uh, uh, white. And so I just colored it in as a shadow, but it's kind of the, the same idea, the same philosophy. You know, one girl is a real girl. The other is uh, the shadow. And we've talked before, when we've talked to interdimensional beings, we've talked, you know, doppelgangers a, a little bit. And I don't necessarily believe like a, in the whole evil twin thing when it comes to doppelgangers. I think they're actually time slips. Um, I, I've mentioned before the story about Goethe where um, he was on his way to, and just the famous poet, where he was on his way to another town, passes by this, you know, strange man in a gray suit, and uh, I forget what the color tie was, but, you know, just, you know, he noticed this man. It's like, wow, okay, that's, that's really kind of interesting. And then the guy disappeared. Uh, and so it was, you know, a very startling moment for him. And then years later, He's walking the opposite direction and realizes, wait a minute, I was the guy in that suit. So he'd actually seen himself. But another interesting story that just came to me, I think it was this past November, I was on Jim Harold's show, Ghost Insight. And uh, we you know, were talking shadow entities and things like that. And he related a story to me about an individual that he had talked to or maybe had interviewed and this particular person, when he was a small child, he had walked into a, 
he'd walked into his kitchen and there standing by the table was this dark hooded figure scared the crap out of him he took off running he was just a little kid years later he's in the kitchen standing by the table making a sandwich he's got his hoodie on and he notices over by the doorway the shadowy form of a small child and boom it clicks he's like wait a minute that's me and i'm the tall dark hooded figure i saw when i was a child he was basically viewing himself at two different points in time and when he was a child he saw himself older when he was older he saw himself as a child two moments in time this goes back to that resonance again two moments in time resonating at the same frequency for a brief moment where they could see each other and in this case he actually came off as a shadow and it might have to do with the strength of that of that wavelength at that particular point in time maybe the the amplitude or, or something we don't know um but for whatever reason those two moments just synced up and he was able to see himself as a shadow on either end of it um very very fascinating but absolutely a a time slip so um another one uh posed here to me recently so uh regarding the interdimensional thesis uh are there hot spots for the appearance of shadow people and this this has come up when i've been talking about uh like the alaska triangle lately now this also came up uh last night in my interview um in several interviews lately so the I, the question is, you know, might they be passing through portals at specific locations to enter into our dimension, um, that sort of thing? And the way I've been answering this is, yes, but <laughs> um, these beings, they're shadow entities, interdimensional being, light being, projections. They can happen anywhere on our planet, but because people report them all over the world, you know, they report them out in the woods, they report them homes all across the country, world, whatever. They're seen everywhere, but there are certain locations around the world that seem to have more of this activity that where it happens more often. And so like the triangle areas of the world, Alaska Triangle, Bermuda Triangle, Dragon Triangle, Bridgewater, Lake Michigan, these different, you know, kind of hot spots uh, of, of the world that have that vortex energy, the Earth's magnetic energy welling up into the area and creating portals, strange activity, um, you know, compasses and electronic equipment go crazy. We have missing airplanes and boats. All that stuff happens. Um, you also have the uh, telluric currents of the Earth, the Earth's energy grid. What and I made a the joke, the layman's term, ley lines. <laughs> um, really, what the ley lines are, we've talked about this on in this class before. What the ley lines are, basically, the the lining up of all those ancient sites of power, temples, um, you know, stone circles, cathedrals, all these different things. They line up. That's the line. That's the ley line. But what's in the earth is the telluric current, that energy that's pumping through the earth. And there are uh, 
certain geodetic lines that are very, very strong. And when they cross, you have the uh, conductivity discontinuity. It's what they call that. And these become you know, very, very strong for these strange anomalous activities, which is why a lot of our ancients built their sites of power on top of there uh, because they, you know, they could harness that energy and use it for a variety of different things, whether it was, you know, uh, for healing, entering altered states of consciousness, the idea of being able to generate portals and stargates in traverse to uh, other areas of not only the world, but also of the universe. And that could be how some of these entities have come into our world is through these different areas that have these things going on, that they're able to hone in on a specific spot on our planet and be like, that's where we're coming in at. Now, again, you know, the, the earth has energy all around it. You know, we have our magnetic shield, we have the energy of the earth, but there are certain spots. There are, uh, I'm just kind of repeating myself, there are lines that go around the earth and there's uh, specific spots that are much more powerful. So it makes it easier to do that. And so, uh, so yeah, um, there's that. We got like four minutes left. <laughs> um, let me see if you got any more comments and questions down here. Uh, okay. So Sarah, could shadow phenomena be a result of a type of phase shift or interdimensional reality, like a cat making a bump under a blanket? So, so yeah, and I'm, I'm going to uh, toss up a couple more comments here from some others. So uh, how synchronistic I was just talking about William Wilson by Poe, which talks about doppelgangers. Awesome. And then, um, so Mary was saying that Sarah has the best questions. Sarah does have some really good questions. So, but I wanted to make sure that we had other uh, comments being uh, posted here. Kind of be spread the wealth, be fair about it, you know. But um, this is a, a good question. So, um, great example of a phase shift. And I, I call it interdimensional phasing. Is that the uh, conjuring house in Harrisville, Rhode Island? where you can actually see in the photograph that I took the shifting of the energy in a specific area of that photograph where the window that was, that's behind the wall is actually shifted out into the photo, which could not possibly happen. It's bizarre. Um, but it's, a, it's an area that uh, has a lot of that strange anomalous activity in the basement of that house is that well room, which is essentially powering that house, especially straight up from the well room. And you know, so much, so many different crazy things have happened in the floors above it, uh, which basically it's a, uh, it's an open hole into the ground, does have water in it. There's still water in that well. And then the way the room is constructed, it has limestone walls capped with granite blocks. So it's like a perfect little power plant. Uh, and, in the, the one particular room, I do believe that I caught uh, the phase shifting. So, so yes, um, a lot of that, and, and they saw shadows up there. That's where uh, Andrea, Carl Johnson, that's where they saw the shadow smoke up there. So, yes, uh, the shadow phenomenon could definitely be a, uh, a result of, of this phasing. So, I was going to talk a little bit about um, or some of these entities carrying out an agenda with the uh, with the aid of the men in black, uh, I will refer to, cause we've, we've done, 
episodes on government conspiracies. We've done episodes on the men in black. I was just going to mention it here real quick, but uh, we kind of really don't have enough time to get into it because uh, that'll get into the Albert K. Bender story. And um, I did want to share the Grant Cameron story, but we're just not going to have time, unfortunately, but uh, truly fascinating. Some of these different things we'll, we'll talk about them in, in other classes. Uh, but uh, I believe I'll just say this. I believe in some cases, yes, they are working together. Some men in black are just, but they're, these are, but they're different um, depending on which set you're talking about. Cause some men in black are just simply human government officials, you know, in a <laughs> quote unquote shadowy pun intended part of our government. And then you have these other men in black type people that, you know, could possibly be ETs, be from elsewhere, kind of mimicking the style of, uh, you know, of our humans and have a very different agenda. So, but uh, we'll save that for another day. All right, right, everybody, this was a, uh, I thought this was a pretty interesting topic to kind of dive into as we go through our inner workings of our universe, kind of pulling back the veil and, uh, you know, seeing how the different dimensions work. We've been on this topic for the last few weeks, and uh, I, to me, it's extremely fascinating. And, uh, And thank you very much. Uh, great presentation. Love the work you do. And uh, I appreciate all of you coming out here and partaking in the conversation. So we have a lot more uh, that's going to be happening out at the Connected Universe portal. So uh, be sure to uh, keep up on all the updates at the ConnectedUniversePortal.com. We will be back uh, next Wednesday. I know we pushed this back a day to Thursday night. Our regular live presentation time is Wednesday nights. 8 o'clock p.m. And so we'll be back to our, our normal day next week. So until next time, if time really exists. <laughs>